Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Colin McGuigan for IFL TV. Edward, it's been a while. How have you been? I've been unbelievable, as you can see. You're the last one. Can't believe it. I was meant to be first when we walked through the door. You won't be happy. No, I I'll have to summon up some energy after doing two hours of media. Yeah. The last one, because you done me in. When we walked through those front doors, you said, yeah, I'm going for a meeting here. You just sit around, and then you've done one, two, three, like about five in front of me. Even Talksport got in front of me. And no, they right. batter you daily. IFL, we're ready. Edward, I want to start on a bit of a solemn note. Last week was a bit of a weird one because of the whole situation that happened in Tijuana. Um, can you talk me through that situation? And obviously it's something that you actually said this to me before, how like in boxing you never know what's going to happen next and something as crazy as that. It's so much bigger than boxing. When that happens before your eyes to someone that you've been with during the fight week, how hard is that to, to take in at that time? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're talking about the passing of, of Diego Rua, Sabrina Perez trainer, manager, husband as well. Um, yeah, it was, I think, 20 seconds of the fight to go. And, you know, it was there, eight feet, 10 feet away from me. He just, he collapsed. And um, it was very hot in the arena. I think people just felt that he fainted or, or whatever. And uh, we all got up and the medical team was straight onto him. And then the bell went for the fight and then quite quickly you saw that it was a lot more serious than that and they opened his shirt and they started to um, use a defibrillator on him and you know at that point to look up and see Sabrina Perez on a ring apron watching her trainer and husband fight for his life was one of the most difficult things probably I've ever seen and from there they put him on a stretcher they wheeled him out and she followed him with her boxing gloves on with her fight kit and unfortunately he lost his life um, so, you know, I, I say it wasn't boxing related. It was, it, it was part of life that, you know, I've never seen anything like that. And you can't really imagine the grief that she's feeling right now. And I think in boxing, one thing I'll always say about the sport is, despite uh, the politics, despite, you know, the clickbait and the rows and stuff like that, everybody is um, as one in grief, you know, and this is something that, you know, touched a lot of people at the show on Friday, but also people would have seen or would have heard or would have read the story. And, you know, you can't imagine, as I said, the grief that Sabrina Perez is in now. And I think no words of condolences can ever help. You just hope that God can give her the strength at this time to come through. And when I watched the broadcast back, now I only met Diego Rua on Thursday at the press conference just for a photo and 
seem like a lovely chap, you know. And it just shows you in life that you just never know, you know. One minute you're in, in the moment and the next everything's over. And You said something, though, very... I think it was in your Instagram post, maybe, about the gym that they opened in yeah. Argentina and how that you wanted to do something. Do you think that Matchroom maybe, I don't know, name it after him and help with yeah, the funding sure, of that like, gym? Is there going to be something beyond this? I, like, I think in this situation, you've always got to do what you can to help people. And in this instance, it's to help people on the ground straight after the event. And that's what our team have been doing. And also, unfortunately, with you know the paperwork and getting Diego's body back to Argentina and that kind of process. And, you know, someone said to me, like, you know, when you talk about how life unfolds, imagine being Sabrina Perez and having to go back to the hotel room and pack away stuff, you know? Like, that's brutal. And, and, and all you can ever do is try and help people and when you can. So, yes, all that stuff on the ground is important, but also legacy you know when I saw on the broadcast that Diego and Sabrina had opened their own gym in Buenos Aires for kids in the area and then I went on to their Instagram and I saw about how much passion and, and the sense of the of achievement of opening that gym we have a responsibility I feel anyway and I spoke to Maurizio Sullivan about this to carry that legacy on because that legacy should live on you know I never knew Diego Rua but reading about him and his love for boxing and his love for, you know, obviously the journey that he was on with Sabrina and, and kids in, in Buenos Aires. Like, if that don't touch you, you don't have an ounce of, of, of you know, emotion in your body. So one thing, trying to help people be as comfortable as possible right now, but beyond that, not forgetting his name and not forgetting his legacy. And although I didn't really know him, Anyone that does that in a community, I, I feel like, you know, that, that we should try and carry that on. You don't want that gym to just, unfortunately, fade away. You want his picture up there. You want his name up there. You want his legacy. You want young kids to know that this was a guy who wanted to help them. So that's what we'll be doing, you know, over the next uh, couple of months. I can see how emotional you are even talking about that. And you're someone that... You're, you're great at showing the best of emotions in interviews and everyone sees that, that side day and you take a, a lot of abuse at times but this is something that's touched you like deeply so, at the time. You know, to see someone, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that I've seen someone lose their life in front of me before, even a family member, you know, and it's like, but the images of him trying to be revived and her standing yards away after her fire you know, you never, you never forget that. So yeah, it was, it was you know, um, more emotional probably talking about it now because I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm quite good at like, you know, you try and be, you try and un like boxing. The business can sometimes take the emotion out of you, you know. But again, that wasn't just boxing. That was like life. You know, that was like someone witnessing that the. the their life fall apart in front of them, you know, and it was it was it was horrible to see, and I didn't even know Diego, but you know, to see Sabrina go through that after the fire, you know, it was a, uh, you know, it was it was horrible to see, but like I said, we got, a, you know, words are always nice, and uh, you know, I think action is better.
to try and help that legacy liver, what what they created together. I think it's important as well that last on this just that Sky's commended for how she reacted because that's such a an unusual situation to be faced with because you're jubilant in the win but you also have to be realistic of the sympathy you need to show towards the opponent. Yeah, difficult for her. I don't think you know I think she's probably feeling it as well because she was the one who had, you know, just fought Sabrina. I think any fighter will tell you when you share that battle and you share that round, you you share that respect, you have that connection with someone. And yeah, you know, I saw her social media post where clearly she's not, she doesn't feel like she should celebrate, really. It was the biggest moment of her career. She's, you know, probably going to be mandatory for Amanda Serrano, but probably feels, I wish I could, I'd give it all up for, for Sabrina Perez. So, you know, difficult times for everybody, but, um, you know, I just, it's difficult to not think about Sabrina Perez at this time, especially after that show, because the whole team, felt it, you know, and not just Matrim's team who saw it unfold, everybody that was in the arena, you know, and everybody that watched on TV, unfortunately, you know, you saw it on the broadcast, you know, and I think that those clips and stuff have been removed from, from us and design out of respect, but, you know, like I said, we have to now make sure that we can comfort Sabrina, but also allow that legacy and that name to live on. We'll move on from that, Eddie. But I think it is good that Matt Schirmer's showing that, that empathy towards Sabrina and renaming that gym after him and doing whatever you're going to do. It would be good. But we'll move on to Orlando. Obviously, the, the breaking news was that Conor Ben was announced on the show this morning. First question is, how long ago was this decided? Because it's been rumoured for maybe like two weeks or so. I would say about 10 days ago, we made the decision to put Conor Ben on this card. And it was a long process. Like... I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter where people think we just sort of slipped him on under the, the nose of the British Boxing Board of Control and the ABC. I'll tell you the process that unfolded. Um, about a week ago, maybe a little bit more, eight days, we spoke to the Texas Athletic State Commission who um, who licensed Conor Ben. Okay? We said we would like Conor Ben to fight on the 23rd of September in Orlando, they said, is he suspended? And we said, no, he's not. That suspension has been lifted and he's clear to fight. He said, if that is confirmed to us, we will allow him and give him permission to box. We then spoke to the Florida State Athletic Commission, who obviously, this is the jurisdiction that we're in at the moment. And they said, is he suspended? Does he have approval from the Texas Athletic Commission, and essentially the ABC, which is the governing bodies of commissions in America. And also, we understood, as we'd provided him information with, that he's been tested multiple times over the last 12 weeks. We would like him to take a further test now um, as part of this procedure. So we said, okay. We then spoke to the ABC, who said... Um, I believe, last we heard, Conor Ben was suspended. And we said, no, he's not. Here's a copy of the UCAD um, press release. Here's a copy of the British Boxing Border Control letter. And they said, we're going to have to speak to the British Boxing Border Control. So we said, okay, no problem. The ABC spoke to the British Boxing Border Control. They confirmed he is not suspended. And ultimately, he is clear to fight. 
in other territories. The ABC lifted any suspension that they had on Conor Ben in relation to the ruling from UCAD and the board. Texas were then happy with that. We expedited the VADA test, the additional VADA test that he took last week. We got the results back, I believe, on Monday. And once we did that, the ABC were happy, the Texas Commission were happy, the Florida Commission were happy. We're up. And that was the process that unfolded. So, you know, I still really struggle with the whole he's not been cleared argument. If he hadn't been cleared, he could not fight. Because if he was suspended, the ABC would have not allowed him to fight in this situation. So he returns on Saturday and we can't wait. I sometimes take a bit of abuse for not asking you hard questions. And I think, I think at times I feel like I do, but maybe I don't. So one of the questions I want to ask is, do you believe that it's ethical for Conor Ben to fight whenever the appeal process is still ongoing? Because necessarily, maybe that this is the confusion, other sports, if an appeal process is going on, the athlete won't really be involved until that has concluded. And I feel, is that maybe what not, not the confusion? Not that's the case at all. But the situation is, we have been told that the board are going to appeal the decision. We've seen no correspondence as to when that appeal will take place. It could be in November, it could be in February of next year, or it might not even happen at all. Conor Ben hasn't boxed for 18 months. Okay, He's been through these processes with the WBC, with UCAD, and he won the case with UCAD. His suspension was lifted. He was cleared to box. Now, when we heard about the appeal, we actually spoke to people to try and fast-track that appeal. But we haven't heard anything on that appeal. So, your options after being cleared, if you're Conor Ben, are resume your career or wait for an appeal that may or may not happen at some time in the future, I don't know when. And we took the decision to get back to work. Okay, he's had 18 months out of the ring. Financially, he's in a position where he has to work. People have to work. You know, he's spent a lot of money on this, this situation for appeals and legal processes and scientific information. There is no reason for him not to fight. You know, if there was an appeal that was confirmed and it was in October, November, I think your point might be valid. Wait for that appeal. And I think we may have said to him, let's get that appeal done. But we don't even know if there's going to be an appeal. And we don't even know when that's going to be. So I, I don't, I know people will never be happy. But I see some people just, just at times just think about the situation. Like, you know, do you honestly think that? Have the board liaised with the ABC yes, here? and then So they've given the clearance the, that he the can AB, fight? The ABC said to us, we need to speak to the British Boxing Board of Control to confirm this. So therefore, the, the the body who are taking that appeal have said that Conor Ben can fight, so he is cleared? Yeah, yeah, but I don't, like, when you have your suspension lifted, you're cleared to fight. The, the whole, like, people still really struggle, because it hurts them so much, to say he's cleared to fight. So if he wasn't cleared, just, what well, like, if he wasn't cleared to fight, he would not be allowed to fight this Saturday. This isn't Florida making their own decision. 
This is Florida, Texas Athletic State Commission, and more importantly, the ABC, speaking to the British Boxing Board of Job to confirm he is not suspended and that he can fight. If he was suspended, the ABC would have not let him fight, nor would Texas, nor would Florida. So that's really important when people, you know, like Dan Raphael and people like that, say, oh, he's, he's commission hopping. No. They're the same, the conversation is among the same people. If he lost an appeal and it happened, I don't know, next year, and he was suspended, he's not clear to fight. And he would not be fighting this weekend. But he's clear to fight, and he's fighting. I was going to move on to the comments. So first of all, Frank Warren, for example, made some comments. If I put yourself in his shoes for a moment and if it was a Frank Warren fighter that was in this situation do you believe you would act the same way he's acting because you're a promotional rival no, do you think that's no, it whether I would say I would do what I'm doing I don't know I would not say he can't fight because he cleared to fight but of course look I mean it's like is Daniel Dubois a low blow or not would I react differently to, to what look, do you honestly think that if one of Frank Warren's biggest fighters was cleared to fight, that he would not be fighting. I mean, these promoters make you laugh. Look at... Um, no, Chris Eubank has had approaches in the last couple of days from representatives of Boxer and ultimately representatives of Sky, because they're the, the promotional provider, to do the Conor Ben fight in December and elicit approaches to Conor Ben through his network to try and do the fight. In an interview, he will probably say, I shouldn't have actually said, I told you that because you should have just interviewed him. It's a disgrace. Conor Ben shouldn't be fighting. He must do this first. You're trying to make the fight. So you can't. Are you referring to Ben Shalom? I'm referring to representatives of Boxer and ultimately representatives of Sky. You know, and Chris Eubank is under contract with Wasserman. He is not under contract with Sky. He's a free agent. And following this fight on Saturday, we'll be doing everything we can to make the biggest fight in British boxing with Callis Outland, his promoter. And if Chris Eubank wants to fight, we're ready to make the fight. But you've got other promoters that are saying one thing and trying to make a Conor Ben fight. Will so, that have legal ramifications for the likes of Boxer? That's already been dealt with. But, you know, it's... Listen, boxing's the Wild West and some people are, you know, deal differently to others. But you can't sit there and say, oh, he shouldn't be fighting, yet you're trying to make Eubank Ben. I mean, it's, it's hypocrisy. But ultimately... If this was one of Frank Warren's fighters, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't be saying he shouldn't be fighting. If you're cleared to fight, you're allowed to fight. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's another opinion. Of course he's going to say it's wrong. You know, but listen, he, he would be thrown up in his um, boulevards if uh, we made Eubank Ben. And that's probably why he's saying that. I'll refer you to Adam Catterall's tweet. I know you've seen it, but for the, the viewers who maybe haven't, he wrote, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Horrific look for matchroom, horrific look for the zone, horrific look for boxing. What's your reaction to that? Because it seems as if... I mean, part of it, you know, part of it is some sense from Adam Smith. You can. Adam Catterall. Adam Catterall, sorry, sorry, Adam Smith. Adam Catterall, you can. Because, yes, we can. Because he's cleared to fight. But my answer to Adam Catterall is, what do you want him to do? sit out for another six months while he's already been cleared. So again, it's like Adam's stuck on this, you know, this sort of channel, this line of his opinion, and he won't deviate because, I don't know, you know, it's been, you know, it's obviously 
profile for him as well. But it's like, what do you, Adam, Mars series, what do you think Connor should do? Wait for an appeal that might not happen? Wait for an appeal that doesn't even have a date? He's gone through the process that you asked him to go through. And he won. He's been cleared to fight. Now, you don't have to like it if, if he fights. But you also can't tell him, sorry, mate, I know you're cleared to fight, but Adam Catterall says you shouldn't fight because it's a bad look. Fuck off, Adam Catterall. That's what I'd be saying if I was Cotton Ben. I've won my case. I'm going back to work. You know, if, if Adam Catterall was in a situation where, I don't know, he ever found himself in a, a case to continue his career and won that case, and they said to him, congratulations, you've won that case, you can now go back to work. And he went, uh... No, I'm not going to go back to work because there might be an appeal in uh, six months or a year and I think it's only right that I sit here and wait. Of course, Adam. Of course. Let's move on to how Conor Ben looks mentally and physically. How do you think he fares in this fight on Saturday night? The opponent looks dangerous. He's got yeah. high knockout rate. I don't like the opponent because he's Mexican, for one. And like anyone now, imagine like the support for Rodolfo Orozco or you imagine like if he beats Conor Ben. He's going to fight like, I mean, I don't know. But so it's squeaky bum time for really what is 100% risk and zero reward. This fight is a fight that Tony Sims wants to take because he thinks emotionally and mentally Conor Ben must fight before he fights Brooke or Taylor or Eubank or whoever it's going to be. And I think he's right. But also that comes with a danger. Don't forget this guy mentally has been through the floor these last 12 months. So I'm excited for him. I'm nervous for him. And as I've said before, and I'll continue to take the flak, I believe he's 100% innocent. And I'm absolutely over the moon to see this young man go back to work on Saturday. Does this lead him into this Eubank huge showdown? It's, it's, Will it happen in the UK? It's up to Eubank. It's up to Eubank. You know, people trying to get in people's ears. It's a very simple situation. We win on Saturday. We speak to Callis Island. We make the offer the biggest fight for Chris Eubank Jr. by a country mile, and not one that's a pretend one, or I might be able to speak to someone who knows someone who knows someone. It's just make the fight, make your money, give everyone the biggest fight in British boxing. That's what we've got to do, and we can do it ever so quickly. And let's get Saturday out of the way first. Wembley or Cardiff? Wembley or Cardiff, or international. But after this week, we'll be speaking to the British Boxing Board of Control and probably putting a permission to, to box for that date and try and make it in the UK. That's where I want to do the fight. Let me ask you another question. It's kind of off the back of this. A lot of people on Twitter, which is a bit of a cesspit, mm. refer to these silent bans. So they talk about Craig Richards. They talk about Felix Keisch. Can you open up some sort of ideas to where these comments come from? And obviously if they're I mean, true as, or not. As usual, complete Twitter bollocks. Like, let me... There is no such thing as a silent ban. When you are found guilty by a UK... You've just seen it with Tete with Amir Khan, with um, Sokolowski. There's a release that goes out to confirm that ban. I have never had a fighter that has been found guilty by UKAD. I've never experienced having a fighter that has a silent ban. Craig Richards fractured his hand. And just because someone puts out on Twitter that Craig Richards is serving us, and what sort of world do we live in where now all of a sudden he has to respond to allegations that just some random fighter is on a silent man. Felix Cash. Do you think Felix Cash would train for 12 weeks and do hundreds of rounds of sparring and make weight and pull out on the... Go to press conferences and go to public workouts and pretend that he's going to fight even though he's on a silent ban? 
fucking clowns. So no, and the answer is, if someone was found guilty by UCAD, that is released by UCAD. And by the way, if it's not, I would insist it is. But I've never had a fighter that's been found guilty by UCAD, and I've never had a fighter or even heard of a silent ban. So, no, I'm sorry. What, what is the Felix Cash situation with Matra? He trained one fight. He was sick for... He trained the whole 12 weeks. He uh, was sick on the day of the fight. That was against Vaughan Williams. And the other fight in the European title, he trained. And unfortunately, the week before the fight, he decided that he could no longer continue to fight. That's one question for him. You know, I know he's had his own problems as well. Um, but he's not with Tony Sims anymore. I believe he's training with uh, Mark Tibbs. And we'll see what happens for him. Craig Richards, he's looking for a fight. He's pestering me for a fight. He's definitely not on a silent ban. I'll ask his hand about that. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. Sandy Ryan aims to become the fastest women's lineal champion. On Saturday night, she faces someone who was very critical of you in Matchroom. Is it tough for you to be around Jesse McCaskill this week in any way? I don't, listen, I don't take anything personal. You know, um, some people say it's, it's a very emotional sport. Sometimes people say things. What Jessica said was wild. And I spoke to her and I spoke to Rick Ramos and they issued an immediate apology and said, I was talking absolute rubbish, I'm sorry. Listen, we had a little bit of a dispute with Jessica McCaskill where we had an agreement with her. They decided to not paper that agreement or whatever way you'd want to look at it. We lost a purse bid. The person who won the purse bid can't, didn't do the fight. We ended up doing Habazin against, Sandy, uh, against Terry Harper and they weren't happy about that. But ultimately we resolved it and she's fighting in a massive fight this Saturday. I feel like we've done an unbelievable job for Jessica McCaskill and for Rick Ramos. And she's been brilliant. You know, she boxed Katie Taylor years ago. We boxed her in her hometown for a world title. She unified in America as well. She had an undisputed fight against Cecilia Brackhouse. We did a, the rematch for that fight as well. She fought a massive fight with Chantel Cameron in Abu Dhabi. And now she's fighting a unified world championship fight in America. Like, I feel like we've done a great job with Jessica. She's done amazing. And this is a brilliant fight. Like Jessica McCaskill is a real handful. And Sandy Ryan is a tremendous fighter. This is one of the top, top female fights in the sport. And I think it'll be a war on what will be an unbelievable card on Saturday night in Orlando. Lastly, because we've got a full week of this, Malik Scott made some comments saying that about this AJ fight. No, the comments he made didn't really make sense. What did you make of them? Well, I've only just heard them off Parsons. And he said, we feel like Eddie Hearn has let us down. I mean, fuck me. I don't know how I've ended up getting the blame out of this one. I've not even been involved. All I've done is had conversations with Skills Challenge and Saudi Arabia. I've never spoken to Deontay Wilder about a deal, a date, an offer, nothing. And now I'm getting the blame. So we were both let down by a promise that never evolved. Now, will that evolve and will that actually happen? I would like to think so. And those conversations are ongoing. But right now, we are looking at the potential of Anthony Joshua fighting in December. Because if he's not fighting Deontay Wilder in January, he wants to get out. Who could that be against? It could be anybody in the top 10 in the world, top 15 in the world. No further. Than. Who would you like if a, a gun to your head right I now and you had a pick? We go through this situation and we end up calling out names. And next thing, it's like breaking news. He's looking at him. Anybody in the top 10 of, of the world rankings can be an option for December. We want to make the Deontay Wilder fight next. But 
those conversations now are gathering speed again. We'll see if, what's going to happen with that. But I can confirm I've not let Deontay Wilder down. And if he, I understand he must be frustrated. He hasn't boxed for, what, well over a year, and that was like a minute. If he wants to fight, I'm happy to talk to him about another fight and then try and work the AJ. We can make this AJ fight in Wilder, at Wilder in Vegas. Wembley, anywhere. Of course, we know financially the reward is, is greater out there, but we want to make that fight, so we'll see. Sports Social Podcast Network.